My name is Blake Rutherford, and uh, I want to welcome all of you to um, another in our series of uh, presidential calls, um, the Beltway Briefing, featuring my colleagues, Mark Alderman, the chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Mark Howard, great to be with you guys. Blake? Um, let's just dive right in. Uh, Mark, what are your impressions of the past week? Wow. Uh, that is a... <laughs> Big question, uh, but justified, I think, Blake, by the last week. The last week has been chaos, and I think we are in for more before it gets better. The White House is not set up to govern the country. That's my take on the last week, and that is uh, a problem. Howard, what are your impressions of the past week? <laughs> the same. Um, it's, I guess I view it through the lens, Blake, of um, having been through this, um, a change in administration many times, and I understand that it does take a while to be ready to govern, but when 23 days into your administration, you're firing your national security advisor. Um, we're talking about a whole different level of, of dysfunction. And clearly, um, clearly no one's firmly in charge. Um, we've got a bunch of people that haven't done this before. And it's not a good situation. Mark, what do you think the most important thing is that happened last week? Well, I haven't checked uh, the news in the last couple of hours, so I may already be uh, behind, but I think the most significant development was where Mike Pence <clears throat> sits in this administration. I think a lot of people, myself included, were of the opinion that Mike Pence was dead center and was somebody who had done some of this before, Howard, not the White House, but it served in government. And we find out now that a highly material fact uh, emerged a couple weeks ago, and nobody told the vice president about it, including the president. So that, that to me, is meaningful. By the way, that, that is surprising, but it's not a surprise, if that makes any sense. It's... Uh... It's surprising that given where they are in the transition and the role he played that he didn't know, and it's, it's bad that he didn't know, really bad, okay? It's not at all surprising to me, and I think if you go back and check the tapes of our prior, prior calls, you'll hear me say that this administration, like every administration, is going to revolve around the president, not the vice president. It, it, yes, I think from a personnel point of view, uh, Pence has played a role in uh, the vice president played a role in in sourcing uh, nominees for different spots, but this is the way it always goes. People are the president's people. The vice president is has some power, but is largely a ceremonial figure and is not in the flow of the main decision making in the well, executive I, branch. I think. If we check the tapes of recent calls, we'll also hear you saying that this was going to get straightened out and that 
they'd bring a few people in who knew what they were doing and it would look very different in a little while. I wonder if you still think that because apropos of what you just said, of course, the president is the center of the universe in the White House. And I think it's going to be awful hard to fix this thing with this particular center of the universe. So with that in mind, Mark, what's your assessment of the Trump administration at this stage? If you were to grade them, what grade would you give? <laughs> well, not even getting to the policy yet, uh, uh, with which I, of course, disagree, but, but we aren't even there yet. That's one of the bulletins. We're not even at the policy part, and they do not get a passing grade for governing. And that's of enormous concern. It's a big, dangerous world, and it is not good whether you are for them or against them, whether you want the executive order to stand or get thrown out on immigration. None of that matters nearly as much as every American has the right to expect competence from the commander-in-chief in this dangerous world, and we're not seeing it. Howard, what's your assessment? What grade would you give the Trump a administration? D. <laughs> a D. They're off to a very rough start. Um, you know, um, it's the uh, the only. Ironically, I was thinking about this last night. The the thing they've done best is the was the Gorsuch rollout, which should have been the most um, difficult thing to do. Frankly, it's the easy stuff they've they've whiffed on, and like it's, telling the truth. <laughs> it's all look execution. There's a reason they call it the executive branch. It's all about execution. Okay, you've got to execute. You've got to have people that know what the heck they're doing, that know how to turn the lights on, that know where the bathrooms are, that know how to get stuff done, that know how to bring the agencies in. They are not ready for prime time. They don't have the team they need, and it's it's worrisome. That's my next question. Do you think the West Wing is organized appropriately? No, I mean, of course, clearly it's not. You have Kellyanne Conway, who's, you know, clearly not in the loop, going out and defending things and the White House being in an entirely different place. Um, you have an executive order being rolled out without proper agency vetting that's sparked protests in airports across the country. You've got um, a disconnected group that doesn't have the reins of government yet and and clear clearly not they need some they need to get somebody in there trump needs to get somebody in there who understands how things work things work who's done this before and he needs to give that person his full authority and let them do their job so mark what do you i mean what significance should we place on these management issues because i'm going to get to the policy in a minute what significance should we place on the management issues? Well, I think we should place tremendous significance on these management issues because, as I said a second ago, this is a dangerous world. And the United States is in the middle of it, and the president is the commander-in-chief of the most important country on the planet, and they have to be ready when a test comes. We have to hope that a test doesn't come. We have to, first of all, hope that Howard's right, that it can be fixed. I have my doubts because 
saying that the president has to no, give I, someone I, I, his I full authority saying. is saying that we need a different president because we know that's not happening. And I am concerned that we are, we be ready when a test comes because the world will, will test this president. I mean, I'm concerned, too. Um, and look, I think I may have said this on our last call. You know, my view when when it was eight years ago and eight and a half years ago and I was doing the, the bailout, our mantra was the policy will be debated for decades and should be. And that's one thing. Execution is totally unacceptable to fail on execution. Right. And right now these guys are failing on execution. These are all self-inflicted wounds. They're not things coming from the outside. They're not externalities. And of course I agree with so what you're saying. Are you adjusting your D down to an F for a failing grade? You you actually No, have. because I because I think they get they get one notch up for for Gorsuch. For for Gorsuch, <laughs> for the Gorsuch rollout and for that was five and, minutes. And for the uh and for the um, the fact that this is some, some of this is the normal progression from a campaign uh, to governing, but they are look. He chose to run his campaign the way he did. It's what got him elected. He chooses to tweet and do everything the way he does. He, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Um, I don't think it was. These are self-inflicted wounds, and I don't think that <laughs> declaring war on the intelligence community is yeah, working out particularly well for for this administration. And they need to they need to adjust course. Question is whether these wounds are circumstantial or characterological. Are they caused by the circumstances of a new administration? The campaign being what it was, too much happening at once, a dangerous world? Or is this about the character of the president and the men around him, men with one exception who's not one exceptional? Exception. Well, one exceptional exception, at least. Uh, but we. We will find out, circumstantial or characterological. I, I fear it's the latter. Look, it's both because every president comes in, and Lord knows Barack Obama did with their character, characterological strengths and weaknesses. And um, uh, this is this is certainly different, and um, certainly we had our misgivings during the campaign. Um, but it, it, it is it is both circumstantial and a matter of character. And the president has to – I think some of what's happening is good in the sense that, yeah. Okay. Mark's eyebrows – I'm listening. Mark, Mark and Blake both raise their eyebrows. Um, well, I'm still waiting for those to ask you, you, other than Kellyanne, who the other women in positions of power in this White House are. But I think you're referring to the president's daughter. Um, I wasn't aware that she was a federal employee, but I but I would I, like to hear what was good. Can yeah, I explain go. why it's good? Because yes. they need a serious wake up call. And okay, yeah, <laughs> okay. No, I mean, look, it is what it is. They need a serious wake up call, and 
better. We have to hope the wake-up call doesn't get any more serious than it is. Look, it's really serious, but and you can look at you can look at it different ways. You can look at it in terms of I'm glad I made you guys laugh. You can look at it in terms of the the broader issue set around the election and Russia, and that's obviously a hugely significant issue, and there's nothing good about that. But the shakeup, the very early screw up by Flynn and the shakeup, you know what? These guys needed their clocks clean. And I think from that point of view, better that Mike Flynn screw up and clean their clocks than that Al Qaeda screen up screw up or that they clean their clocks, you know what I'm trying to say. So they needed a wake up call. And guess what? They got it. And well, if you wanna to look to make lemonade out of lemons, that's that's one way to look at this. I I will stipulate that it's good that Mike Flynn's gone. Well, I'll, I'll go that far. There's one good thing that's happened. No, you're making light of it, but the no, um, but the point is it's that, serious that it's good. Yes, I, well, I and if he is replaced with someone more responsible and more that's not the point. Truthful. The point is then, you. It's about the president, and the president needed an early wake up call. He needed to know that, guess what? You can't always win. You're not always going to win. That you declare war on the intelligence community and the bureaucracy, they're going to find a way to bite you. That's a, this is a very but isn't that, early lesson. And I think it's... Where's the evidence that the lesson has been learned? Pre-inauguration, he declared war on the intelligence agencies. He now has a wake-up call about what that means in his new job. And this morning, his response to that yeah. wake-up call was a tweet storm condemning his own intelligence agency. Not, not there yet. Lesson not I, learned. I, not, not yet. Okay. But, and, and look, I grant you that he is somebody who probably has a more challenging time than a Barack Obama learning lessons, okay, or a George W. Bush. Um, or anybody else for that matter. <laughs> but the nostalgia for George W. Bush is extraordinary. But but <laughs> it, it, all I'm saying is, from a lemonade out of lemons point of view, um, he needed to get his clock cleaned early, and he did. And maybe maybe something good comes out of that. Let's 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 move on and talk about policy because we. We have seen really, I think, one significant policy come out of this White House, which is the the travel ban, which is which is now on hold. Um, Mark, what are your impressions from a policy perspective about about this White House? I think we have had a blizzard of executive orders that, with one or two exceptions, have done nothing, have not yet implemented. They have restated the president's policy on various issues, but other than the immigration ban and perhaps yesterday's order on financial disclosure, which I confess to not having studied, I don't think we are at the policy part of the program yet. I think sure. all of the dysfunction has prevented this administration from beginning to execute on its policy prerogatives, 
one of which is to work with Congress on a on a repair, repeal, replacement, on health care, on tax reform. And Congress is working hard uh, at the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue on its own. As we said last week, there is a lot of writing going on and debating uh, going on. But there has been so far, Blake, no policy. I, I, I should have given a much shorter answer. What policy? Right. That's that's sort of the that's sort of the the situation, um, Howard. What Congress has is not obligated to wait on the president to do anything, and they have done nothing. Um, what is your what is your impression of the uh, of all this from a policy perspective? Well, there are two major things that maybe call it three that I think are on the agenda for this year. Obamacare clearly clearly a mess, um, tax reform and infrastructure. And then there are lots of other things that are going to happen as well. But those are the three big ones. Um, it's my understanding, April, May timeframe for a tax reform bill in the House. Um, uh, there is work going on. Right. And there is work going on on Obamacare. Some of our former colleagues are doing it. Um, it's it is um it, i'm not at all surprised or concerned that there haven't been any major legisl there hasn't been any ma major legislation introduced yet um except that look you only have so much political political capital to spend in this town and what's going on um with the dysfunction is clearly costing this administration, political capital, it's costing them leverage, it's costing them the ability to get get things done that that business and the stock market are expecting. And um, so it's worrisome in the longer term. It's not a concern for me that it's been light to date. Uh, Mark, what do you think next week will bring? Oh, I wish I had the answer to that, Blake. I, I am hopeful that next week brings a new and improved national security advisor. Hopeful that next week brings some progress on health care. And Howard's right, there is work being done. There was a regulation or an order rather issued this morning <laughs> trying to shore up the health care exchanges, which are in <clears throat> trouble and, and certainly need help. I'm hopeful that next week brings uh, some progress, some progress on infrastructure, on tax reform, on work that needs to be done. Uh, Howard, what do you think next week will bring? I think um, I think a reexamination of personnel of needs of um, operating style and and um, further engagement with um, further engagement by the Senate and House Republican leadership with this administration to tell them to get their act together that's how this um, that's what happens next 
Congress has been getting, the Republicans in Congress have been getting more and more pushback from their constituents. They don't like what they see. Look, I think there are a lot of people that all this is white noise um, for in, in the heartland. Um, but but Congress is feeling the pressure. They don't like the media scrutiny. They don't like where this is going. They don't like the delegitimization. And Congress, I think Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan need to go to the White House and they need to convince, they need to put pressure on the president to, to right the ship. And that's what I fundamentally hope next week brings. Uh, Mark, do you think if, if that were to happen that the president would would actually adhere to the demands of Republican leadership? I hope so. I, I have a concern that this particular president uh, not going to be that good at learning these lessons, but uh, but I hope so. I think one of the other things um, that we are understandably uh, ignoring, at least for the moment, um, is what all of this means for the Democrats, not nationally or 2020 or any of that. We are living day by day here with this thing. But all of this is making it much harder for the Democrats to cooperate with the Republicans and the administration to get something done. I, I keep saying the same thing the same way. I, there are things that need to get done for the good of the country, and none of this is helping any of that happen. Look, I, I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot more serious policy talk happening around town than I think you guys are giving the Republicans credit for. Let's, I'm going I'm to step in for for just a minute. I think what we want to what we want to focus our attention on is this notion of where we think that policy is is taking place and why it seems to elude the what I think people on the call are are hearing, which is that there's there's no talk of that. I mean, I, I have mm -hmm. Politico pulled up now, and there's not one policy story. I mean, it's we can read the headlines. It's about it's 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 a Netanyahu meeting. It's Puzder threatening Oprah. It's uh, GOP can't repeal Obamacare. It's Brian Fallon and Trump getting into it. There is no policy talk in the journalism world. So where where is it actually happening? Do you think? Well, there's, for example, on the um, border adjustment tax, which is, I think, the single biggest issue in Washington this year outside of Obamacare. Um, it has to do with how you tax imports and exports. And um, there's tons of discussion going on around the bat. Um, Paul Ryan was up with the Senate Republicans yesterday briefing them on his his um, view of, of the bat, the, the leadership, the House Republican leadership view of the of the bat. There are tons of think tank discussions and um Lots of thinking going on around issues like that, um, that being one of the biggest. Um, it does get, I think, more press than than people realize, but um, there's a lot there's a lot of that going on. So let's talk about let's shift our discussion to the to you know if you're if you're a client, for example, and you are listening to this call. 
obviously there are many. Um, and you're looking at Washington. Um, four weeks in, Howard, what should your posture be towards this administration? The same as it was um, going in. Uh, you gotta you gotta be engaged. Don't don't buy the head fakes. Don't listen to the noise. There are discussions going on on um, the details of policy, and it's a mistake to assume that they're just wholly incompetent and and nothing is happening. There's a lot there's a lot happening, and you got to be engaged. And don't pull away because they appear to be dysfunctional. I think some of the I think some of the dysfunction is magnified because everything with Trump is magnified. Um, but but there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Well, I, I agree with that in a couple of respects. I think it is hard to engage with the White House at this point because the White House is in crisis. However, the agencies are going about their business, and there are discussions taking place, as Howard says, in all of those places in which it is still possible to participate and important to participate because so much of governing happens down below, and down below is still up, up and running, and in Congress the same. I think the the members themselves may be a little more distracted by all that's going on than than is good for the process, but their staffs and the committee staffs are hard at work on tax reform and health care and infrastructure and other issues and to, to agree and, and echo what Howard said, uh, Participating in those conversations is, is still possible and important. Even members. I talked to a member of the Ways and Means Committee recently um, who said, I'm just going to keep doing my job. And my that's my approach to dealing with Trump's Washington is I'm going to keep doing my job. I'm going to – it's not that I'm not paying attention to what he's tweeting, but I'm not allowing myself to get distracted by it. I'm working on tax reform. And that's where my focus is, and I'm going to do my job. And that I'm hearing that more and more. So I want to I want to build upon this notion of engagement because I and, and kind of drill down into what that means for the folks listening to the call. Someone who says, "Look, I hear you engage, but but if you have an issue, let's and let's start with the executive branch." Mark, you you did you did just say you thought it was a bit more difficult to to engage with them. What strategies do clients, do businesses need to employ to get their issue into the conversation? Well, I'm going to resist the obvious answer of hiring you, Blake. But other than that, uh, in, engagement <clears throat> is exactly what the word says. Engagement is calling. Engagement is writing. Engagement is emailing. Engagement is reaching out to people who are in the mix, both in office and and in the government, in the permanent government in Washington that uh, exists beyond the bureaucracy. One of the things that I think uh, has been interesting to me is that 
uh, as Howard says, a lot of members are just trying to do their their jobs, and all of the attention that has been focused on the various offices, mostly in the nomination process with now Secretary DeVos and others, I, I always thought that was kind of just noise. But in talking with a couple of members and, and their staffs, uh, they're paying attention. They are most definitely paying attention to what the market is telling them, what their constituents and others are telling them. So making noise is sort of the answer. I, my answer is job. Uh, if you want to connect to this administration, you have to show that whatever issue, it, it, whatever your issue is, um, you have to be prepared to speak to that from a jobs point of view, Blake. It's clearly that was the central focus of this campaign, um, trade and um, all of that. It's what, it's what it's all about. Whatever your issue is, you need to connect that to this administration's agenda. And this administration's agenda, first and foremost, is jobs and economic well-being. And, and that's the strategy that anyone needs to have in mind um, when they're talking about how to engage these guys. So it's, it's, a, it's a blend of finding the right message, if I'm hearing both of you correctly. It's a blend of finding the right message and then finding the right touch points with which to, with which to share that message. Um, that's on the executive side. What about on the legislative side, Howard? What, what strategies do you think, considering the, the circumstances that we've been discussing, what, what strategies do you employ if you need to engage with the legislative branch? Well, again, <laughs> jobs, um, because I, that jobs, jobs, jobs. And we're a lot better off than we were eight years ago when I was busy bailing out the financial system. But it's still what... Um, absolutely moves the needle in Washington. And if you look, look, it's a follow the money approach, so to speak. You look for where the jobs are, you look for how to influence things. Um, you know, you've got to be engaged with Republican leadership. Um, and depending upon the issue, be very attuned to whether the House or the Senate is the driving force. I think traditionally in Washington, the upper chamber, the Senate, is where everybody expects, you know, the real policy to, to, to come from. But on things like tax reform, um, I'm expecting the House to drive much more of, of the policy this year on, on issues like that. And then don't write off the Democrats, the Senate Democrats, I should say. The House Democrats you can write off, um, except from a kind of public relations point of view, and I think, by the way, they're doing a decent job of doing their job in that regard, um, uh, Crowley and, and Pelosi, et cetera. But um, don't write off the Senate Democrats because you still need 60 votes to get most pieces of legislation passed. Um, they're still very powerful. And so, um, you know, I think that's important. Mark, you talked about earlier that there was – you know, sort of sort of downstaff the work being done at the agency level. Um, it, you know, you represent a lot of regulated 
I mean, companies in regulated industries where their issue isn't going to be jobs. It's not going to be advocacy. It's going to be management, managing their business, managing the regulatory landscape, which admittedly the president has said he wants to wants to change. What do you do strategically in that context? Well, I was going to drop a footnote, Blake, on exactly that uh, regarding healthcare. Healthcare is 20% of the economy. Healthcare is up first in fixing anything. I think the speaker said uh, this morning, I heard that uh, healthcare has to come before tax reform because of the magnitude of the issue. And, and I can tell you from personal involvement, professional involvement, there is a sincere interest in solutions in healthcare. In HHS, CMS, in the House, in the Senate, both sides of the aisle. And I think that people with ideas, people with thoughts, people with solutions are very welcome in Washington right now. I think that the door is wide open and you can walk in the front door. It doesn't require much more than than taking your idea to the Capitol and and talking to the people who are working on this because they know they don't know what to do. And they are are looking for help and I think a, a strategy for anyone involved in healthcare is to take your ideas to Washington. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Mark just said that the door is wide open, which would which would suggest to me that your opinion is that the DC climate is conducive to, to getting things done, not immediately, but perhaps over time. Otherwise, what would be the point of taking your issue to Washington? Howard, I wanted to get your reaction to that. I think it is, Blake. Look, it's a the White House has to get its act together. Um, but I think some of the cabinet choices have been have been good. Some have been less good, but by and large, I think they're they're qualified and solid people. Um, I think Trump wants to do business. Business, business, the business community has high expectations of this administration. Um, I do think that there are areas where they're over-anticipating what can get done, like in the financial regulatory realm. Um, and um, so there are areas where they're overly optimistic and areas where they're overly pessimistic. You know, that'll all even itself out, but things are going to get done. So, Mark, I, I, be honest, I've, I've exhausted all my questions. So I am... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna ask you just to sort of summarize our our call for today. Um, what comes next? If you're if you're if you're sitting, you know, in and looking out over the uh, over the National Mall, what what comes next in Washington? Well, I think Blake that if we step back and take a look over the National Mall and then they fly over the Capitol. Um, the White House is in crisis 
And that is enormously unsettling to the nation. And we've had our discussion here about how to fix that, if in fact it can be. But other than the assassination, Mrs. Lincoln, as the saying goes, uh, Washington is still standing. I was there yesterday. Howard was there this morning. It, it, it's open for business. And Congress goes on, and the civil service goes on, and thank God the military goes on. And I think that the foundations of of government are moving at their usual glacial pace, but, but nonetheless moving. And I think what we see next is a little bit of movement on healthcare, a little bit of movement on infrastructure, a little bit of movement on tax reform and more. While we all hope for the safety of the country, the White House figures out how to, how to govern. Howard, the last word is yours. Blake, I think that um, we need to we need to watch the stock market because that, to me, certainly early on a referendum on positive expectations for this presidency and and this this Trump's Washington, I'll say broadly. Um, the market moved up to an all-time high. It's it's back down a little bit, um, but I think um, business has high expectations for what's going to get done, and and they're baked into the market. And um, as chaos begins to um, take hold here, we need to watch what happens really carefully. And God forbid there's some sort of bigger shock to the system. I think we could see a, a very significant reaction, but. I'm watching I'm watching the market closely as a referendum on on Trump and the expectations for the for the future. Well, it'll certainly an interesting time, gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us and thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks. Thank you, Blake. Ladies and gentlemen, that does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation and ask that you please disconnect your line.